to this word. Amen. All right. Bible's up. Bible's up. Get them textbooks up. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I am a believer and not a doubter. I am a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I am enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's get to work. Amen. Today, this lesson is going to come from the book of Hebrews. We're going to be coming from the book of Hebrews, and I will read into your hearing. Please feel free to turn with me there. The book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15. I'll be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15. Amen. Amen. The book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15, and it reads, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Amen? Amen. Let's go before God in prayer. Merciful God in heaven, we come before you right now to say thank you. We thank you for the opportunity, Father, to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and learn about the word that you've called us to learn about. I ask and pray right now to humble myself in the, in the most humblest form I can, Father God, asking that you take over, that it not be Wilborn that speaks, but that God's, your Holy Spirit, he be the one to speak through me for your glory. Please be the filter for this tongue you've blessed me with. And I pray that your word will go forward with power and authority now, and our hearts will be open to hear what you've called us to hear, and that we all are blessed with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So my objective this morning is to further our understanding of God's personality. Specifically, my objective is to further our understanding of God's personality through the concept of empathy and its importance within the kingdom of God. Amen? You may be seated. My title this morning is The Empathy of the Empathetic. I'm going to say it again. The title of the sermon or lesson this morning is The Empathy of the empathetic. Amen? And we are going to learn about empathy, its importance in the kingdom of God, and who is the ultimate empathetic one, and how that applies to we as Christians. Amen? So I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4, 15 again, because there are key points that I'd like you to pull out of the words, or out of the text. And we're going to really focus and emphasize uh, on those spots. So Hebrews chapter 4, Verses 15, again, and it reads, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, keyword, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Some of your Bibles may not say empathize. It may say sympathize, understands, or touched with feelings. So as you go across the text, you may have a different word. I'm reading from the NIV, so empathize was there, but as you can see on the screen, we have sympathize, and we'll explain why that's important that we point that out here in a moment. Amen? So 
One of the most misused words in the English language, there's two, are empathize and sympathize. When you empathize for someone, that is different from you sympathizing with someone. Sympathy, in its easiest way to explain, is when you feel for someone from a distance. Empathy is when you feel with somebody in their situation. Sounds simple, but it's huge in the context of bibliography or study in the Bible. Because when the text was originally written, it was written in the Hebraic. When you go to the Hebrew translation of empathy or sympathy or even compassion, there is no difference between the definitions. That's why the English language is considered the hardest to learn in the world. Because we have multiple words with a multitude of meanings and getting the proper context from the words is hard for somebody that comes from a foreign nation or another place when they're trying to learn it. So if anybody was originally of Spanish or Latino descent and you spoke Spanish first, learning English is hard. So when we hear terms like, well, you on American soil, so you need to learn the English language. Well, it was easier for you to do, or me or anybody, it was easier for us to do because we grew up specifically with that different context. But so, and as you can see, empathy and sympathy automatically shows that their dictionary is shorter than ours in other nations upon to the, with those other dialects. Now, the, the basis for this was God put this on my spirit months ago that we have an issue in the nation, in the people, even in the body of Christ to an extent, right? That we are missing something. And it's getting worse. And it's been getting worse over the last couple of years. I know a lot of people like to throw in former President Trump and say, oh, he did it. He weaponized it. He used it as a weapon, and that's fine. Whether you like, like him or dislike him, I don't care. He weaponized it. What I care about is, specifically, I love everybody here. I don't care about your politics. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter your cultural beliefs. I don't care about your race. I don't care about your background. I don't care about what's coming next. I love you. Because that is how we are supposed to operate as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is something that God has kind of been pouring on me. And this empathy thing, God took to another level. So let's uh, dig a little deeper into this. So in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews very specifically is written by multiple authors. And it gives us context to understand that Christ stands above all other religions, right? So as those multiple authors were writing, they made sure to emphasize who Christ was. In the script that we just read, it was emphasizing that Christ is our great high priest, right? He is the great high priest. He is the salvation. He even goes, the, the authors even go in to talk about that Christianity stands above Judaism the dominant religion of that time because Christ stands at the top of it. So you had to identify with who Christ was in the hierarchy of religion and all those, uh, or ideology or theology, those kind of things. So when we jump into the original text and we talk about that classical Hebrew or the Hebraic, 
it tells us specifically, I'll read the definition. Sympathy is sharing the feelings of others. Empathy is understanding and entering into another's feelings. But in the Hebrew translation, they mean the same thing. So now let's relate this to Christ. Let's transition into proof of empathy throughout the Bible and Christ showing this. And we're going to see how this also plays into God and the importance for us. Amen. So we're going to go to the story of Lazarus. And I'm going to start in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 4. I'm going to start in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 4. And I'll give you a second to, to get there. So what we have going on is uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are brothers and sisters. And Martha, Lazarus has fallen ill. He's fallen sick. And we all pretty much know the back end of this story that Lazarus is later raised from the dead. But there's something that happens between the time Jesus is notified to the time he gets to the house that's really important for us as Christians. So Martha and Mary sent a messenger off to Jesus to find him. The messenger goes out and gives Jesus an explanation of what's going on with Lazarus. So now Jesus, that's where we start at in the text. And we see Jesus talking to the disciples. And again, I'm in John chapter 11, verse 4. And it reads, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. That's an important verse. Because in this moment, Jesus has just identified, he knows what's about to happen next. I'm telling you up front, my disciples, this sickness, this in death, this is for a reason. This is so the Father can be glorified and I can be glorified through the actions that I'm getting ready to do. Now, let's continue to verse five. Key words coming up. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister being Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That's interesting. So he heard he was sick. He found out about it. Now he knows, but he stayed where he was for two more days. Uh, continuing. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So Jesus has given us some context. Let's jump down to verse 11. So again, John chapter 11, verse 11. After he had said this, now he was explaining to the disciples because the disciples were kind of saying, hey, don't go back. Like they just tried to stone you there. And he's saying it's going to be all right. But we're moving forward. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. That's the second time that he identified that he knew what he was going to do before he got there. That's important for what's about to happen. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So they were confused because they keep hearing Christ's reference to sleep, not realizing, hey, next verse. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So. Christ has fully identified that he knows everything that's going on. He's gotten the message. He stayed two days. He identified, this is what I'm going to do when I get there. 
This is why this is being done. So he is asleep so the father can get the glory, the son can get the glory, right? Said that. Then he came back and said, this sleep is not going to be death. It won't end in death. He said that. He then identified, I'm going to go wake him up. He said that. So now we got a foundation for everything that Christ was thinking before he ever got back to Bethany to go see Lazarus. So we got through 12 through 14. Let's go ahead and jump to staying at John 11. We're going to go to verse 32. And now this is some important things, and I'll give context while you're getting there. So now Jesus is on his way. In between the text that we skipped through to 32, Martha left the house and ran out to meet Jesus because she had heard that he was getting into town. She runs out, and the first thing that comes out of her mouth is, Lord, if you, wouldn't have, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He, would have, he wouldn't have died. Not that she's blaming him, but she's just essentially saying through her faith, I know he wouldn't have died if you were here because you're the living God. I respect your power. I honor your power. So Jesus is then coming into the house because Mary stayed back because they had visitors who came to mourn with them. When he gets to the house, we get to verse 32. When Mary, because Jesus reached out for Mary and told Mary to come here. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. That's big. Because in actuality, Christ had already stated what he was going to do the whole time. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that Lazarus was going to be raised. He knew that people were going to be sad. He knew that God was going to get the glory. He already stated. He knew that he was going to get glory because he stated that as well. But then what happened? He walked in the house and wept. Why did he weep? That's the part we got to be careful of. That takes us back to Hebrews 4 and 15. What happens is he empathized with the feelings of the people that were in the room. So, because Christ in reality had no reason to cry. He had no reason to feel anything. But when he walked in the room, he didn't feel bad for them. He started feeling bad with them. It hit him a different way. It Think about this. How much weeping and feeling do you have to have in a room to trouble Jesus' spirit? Really think about that. How much you got to feel it to trouble the creator, well, the son of the creator's spirit, who knew he was going to be sacrificed, who knew he was going to have nails driven through his hand, who knew what he was going to suffer. And even on the cross, he didn't really cry out until, Jesus had, until God had to turn away. That was it. That was the only time. So the weeping troubled his spirit, and in that moment, he empathized. He shared with their feelings. And that brings us to verse 34. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then we get to the shortest verse in the Bible, which is Jesus wept. Well, why did Jesus weep? He wept because he shared the feelings of everybody who had lost 
Lazarus in that moment. Because we mentioned it earlier in verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. His empathy was connected to his love for Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. That is important because as a body of believers, we walk around a lot saying, I love everybody. But if you love everybody, you got to be able to empathize with everybody. So that's really, that's something you got to be really careful about before you start throwing out there, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Even though we're supposed to love, if you love them, you can empathize with them. So we need to talk about that a little bit, right? We need to break that out because let's relate that to today. Obviously, we know the hot button topic for all of us today, no matter who we are, because we're all affected by it, we all got these masks on, is the vaccination situation. What God has been showing me over the last couple months is, as you watch the wheels turn, we are losing empathy for one another at a rapid pace. Well, I think you need to go get vaccinated because blah, blah, blah. Then the person on the other side says, well, I don't want to be vaccinated because of blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't care if you want me to get vaccinated. I don't like you anyway. Da, 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 da. Well, I think you should get vaccinated because you're trying to kill everybody. Da, da, da. And what happens is we start rebuking the concept of love between one another because I can't empathize with the fact that, you know what, based on what you might have read, I can understand why you don't want to get vaccinated. And on the other side, the person can't look at it and say, you know what, based on your beliefs and you're comfortable with the vaccination, I understand why you did. But I need you to empathize with me. Share my feelings in this. Understand that I'm upset about this. I got a brother who I grew up with. And uh, some of the men know this story because I've shared it uh, in, in the men's meetings. He is a 04, a, a pretty high level officer in the Navy. He was already guaranteed. They told him, hey, you going to the top. He's the kind of brother, he's so sharp. I know, I've been knowing him my whole life. He's so sharp, he would have been an admiral, which is the, the Navy equivalent of a general. He's just that kind of guy. And he is staunchly, staunchly against anything vaccine related. Not only is he against the vaccine concept, he is against the test. Because based on his studies, this is what he learned, and this is what he thinks. And at first, I was like, man, you're a clown. What is wrong with you? You're going to give up a great career for something you can't even prove? And then God started poking at my heart. He was like, you give up a lot for me that you can't prove? Well, I know you hear God, because look at your acts. Look at what you've done. Look at what you've He's like, look, look, look. That's in your eyes. <laughs> they can't see that yet. So I had to start thinking, man, am I empathizing and showing the proper love? Because in actuality, really, I don't care whether he gets it or not. I just want him to be good. I want his family to be good. I love him. That's my brother. We've been riding since seventh grade together. And I just know what kind of sharp individual he is. So all that being said, in that moment, God told me, to, hey, take it back. You got to empathize with the situation, not with what he's doing. Amen. And we want to talk about that here because it's big. We get the same thing with racism, man. I can't empathize with no racist. Well, if you were taught you was a king your whole life 
And somebody told you that others should be beneath you. And that is your staunch foundation of belief. And then somebody tells you you're completely wrong. How can you not empathize with that? Well, you don't know what he did to me when I was young. It don't matter what he did when you was young. You sinned, didn't you? Look what you did to Jesus. Like Jesus wouldn't have had to come down here dealing with your nonsense and sin. I'm talking about all of us in this. He wouldn't have had to come down and get hung on that cross and all that if we were to do what we were supposed to do. Right? So how can we not empathize? Because you're not empathizing with their sin. You are empathizing with the temptation that brought them to that sin. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute because John taught us there's only three categories that, sins fall, that sin falls into. There's a multitude of sins, but there's only three categories that it falls in. And we'll talk about that in a second. So I say that today and then I'll say one more because it kind of speaks to our youth. My, my son, and he told me he didn't mind me saying that it was him. He shared a, he shared a testimony. I knew about it because we had talked that he has a young lady that professes to be a Satanist in his class. And he was like, he didn't know. But when the girl announced it in the class, he said he was pretty cool with her. But he said when the girl announced it in the class, it threw him off. So he came in uh, in the room, like 10 o'clock at night. You know, we getting ready to go to bed. And he was like, Dad, can I talk to you? First, I was ready to cry right there. Because I was like, oh, man, you want to talk to me, bro? <laughs> You could have texted your boy, you know what I mean? Like, thanks, man. But what he did is he said, listen, Dad, I don't dislike her, but I struggle with this because she worships the antithesis of my God. He's like, I, he's like, I, don't, I don't hate her, but she worships the antithesis of my God. And we had a conversation and we talked about it, and he was able to hash it out spiritually, but that empathy part is what we had to talk about because I told him, Listen, you don't have to agree with her, but you got to share and understand her feelings in the situation. She might believe as much in Satan as her God as you believe in the Almighty as our God. So you have to empathize with the struggle it's going to be for somebody to come up and tell you, drop that. Because you're saying this is your God and this is why you got a problem with her. Amen? So empathy is important, but also we have to understand Christ knew the situation when he walked into the house. Knowing the situation when he walked into the house, he had no reason to cry. But it lets us know something about Jesus in this moment. It is naturally a part of Christ's personality to be empathetic. That is who he is. He knew he didn't need to cry. He knew he didn't have to go through those feelings. But because he shares the feelings naturally with those who were there weeping, even though he knew the outcome, he was empathetic towards the outcome, which is what caused Jesus to weep. That is important, right? Because if Christ, if that is a natural part of Christ's personality and Christ is God in the flesh, that means that it is naturally a part of God's personality to be empathetic. I'm going to say that again. Christ is, I'm going to say, Christ is is God in the flesh. It is a natural part of his personality to be empathetic to us, to share in the feelings with us, to feel with us. So if Jesus has that personality trait, that means also him being God in the flesh, 
the Godhead, the Father, has to have the same personality trait. Because Jesus always pleased God because he executed God's personality in the flesh perfectly. That's what was so pleasing to God about Jesus. He was perfect. He executed God's will and personality in the fleshly body with the challenges that comes with that to the nth perfect degree. So that says if we are followers of Christ, we as Christians have to carry the same personality trait no matter who it is, no matter what the situation. And it's going to, we're going to dig deeper into the spiritual context of why that's important and how it's affecting us right now. But we as believers, as a body of believers, have to be empathetic towards anyone else, even, though, even if they don't agree with us, because we have a foundational call to love people. And if empathy is a part of love, you cannot deny empathy and still say that you love someone. That doesn't work. You can't take out we, I say you, but I mean we. We cannot take out the parts that we want, right? It's like the misinformation train. I was going to share this towards the end, but I'll just go ahead and throw it out right now. Last night, I was looking for a sweater to wear for today because I really was like, I, I kind of want to wear a sweater. I don't know why. I just wanted to wear a sweater. So I went to Dillard's. It was $135. I was like, keep your sweater. So then I went to Kohl's. And I was like, that, this is on my pricing line that I'm talking about. So I get to Kohl's, and as I'm known to do, anybody who's ever seen me in public, I walk with my headphones in about 90 plus percent of the time that I'm out in public, because I'm always listening to something. And as I was walking through, I had identified a sweater that I saw before, and I was like, you know what, maybe that sweater will work for today. So as I'm walking through Kohl's, this lady, I, look at my watch, I'm sorry. This lady, I, she made eye contact with me, and I saw her mask moving. So I was like, oh, she must be talking to me. So I take my AirPods out, and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. And she was like, oh, I was just saying hi. And somehow, I don't know how I went here, she asked me, she said, hey, are you a believer? And I was like, yeah, of course. So it sparked a conversation that lasted for an hour and a half. And I will say this, as men and women of God, we have to be so careful about dismissing certain things. We can't be, and this is a side piece, we got to be really careful about what we dismiss, because I do believe that God sent her on that path for a reason, because she exemplified what we're talking about today. We started talking about presidency, we started talking about politics, we talked about BLM, we talked about CRT, we talked about everything. And the first conversation that came up was the critical race theory concept. And you know, I'm not going to get into a lesson about it right now. But I remember she was like, she's like, well, I heard it was this, 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 and this. So I went back and told her, well, I read the study, and it was this, 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 and this. And she was kind of taken back, but it was like she was struggling to understand, like, what do you mean? She's like, and I love our governor, and I'm so happy he's doing this, this, and this. When I told her, I was like, well, I've been pretty close to that circle before, so I don't agree with this, 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 and this. 
And what really struck me as crazy is, God bless it if you're online, what really struck me as crazy was we had two different perceptions of each situation all the way through, every single topic. I'm not, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I am a registered independent on purpose. So I could throw, I don't want to say throw the rock at whoever I want, but I just don't agree with everybody's principles all the way through on anything. So when we were going back and forth, I was like, God, you are showing me something right now. I have to be empathetic to the fact that her information base is different. Her beliefs are different. Her thoughts are different from mine. And I pray that she can be empathetic towards my mindset. But this, this goes further. So if you're sitting right now and you're sitting in your mind and you're like, I can't. <laughs> There's no way. I get it. I, I absolutely, I can't empathize with a murderer. I can't empathize with a racist. I can't empathize with a rapist. I, I can't. Well, God has a solution for that. Let's talk about it. My next turn, you don't have to turn here. I don't mind reading it into your hearing. But I'm going to turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verse 16. Again, I'll be reading from the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verse 16. Excuse me. And it reads, this is John in his letters writing, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now that's important. That is John breaking down the three categories of sin. No matter what you do, if you, are, if you commit the sin of adultery, it can fall into the lust of the eyes, or it can fall into the lust of the flesh. That's why I like to call God's word simplistically complicated. It's simple, three categories, but it's complicated because there are hundreds of thousands of things that can fit into each category. The pride of life, you walk up, I'm upset now, I'm angry, slap them, bang. You hit them, you just fell into the pride of life. Why? Because it was your pride that did not allow you to take whatever situation you just went through. You look at a sister or you look at a brother and you have the thought, then you just fell into the lust of the eyes because your eyes are a, ear, are a tunnel to your spirit. Amen? So all of them fall into each category and you got to be careful about that. But it goes further. It says, if you pay close attention to this, and we said it earlier, and I feel like I should go back. I'm not going to go back yet, just in case. Christ does not empathize with our sins. He empathizes with the temptation that leads to sin. So when people struggle and they say, well, how could Christ have faced all types of sin? He faced all temptations, all of the categories of temptation that lead to sin. Once you cross the bridge of temptation, that's when you enter sin. That's why the word tells us to flee from the temptation, not to flee from the sin. Because once you cross the temptation, you're already there. 
You got to stop at the gate of temptation and be like, okay, I got these three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I see them, I'm about to know. Because that's how you stay away from the sin. Because once you kick down the door of the temptation, you're already there. That's how it works. So when somebody says, well, how can Christ empathize with everybody on these situations? It's because he faced the category of temptation that it took for them to get there. He already identified that we are weak. That was identified. So our weakness is in dealing with the temptation, not the sin. Nobody has a problem sinning. They have a problem pushing back the temptation to sin. And once you cross that, you're already there. Christ faced it. Another example, Eve faced it. When Eve faced those three categories and the devil put it in front of her, she fell because of her weakness in the flesh. When Christ faced it in the desert, get thee behind thee. So he never crossed the bridge of temptation to go into sin. That's how he stayed perfect. Eve crossed the bridge and that is what, well, she crossed the bridge and then Adam, you know, following his lady. So <laughs> they let sin into the world. So that's what we have to understand when we come into that. So Christ can empathize with anything that we do because he faced the temptation that led to get there. He gets that. He empathizes with us. And it's important because when you put empathy in relation to God, we've already identified empathy is a part of Christ's personality, which makes empathy a part of God's personality. He was touched and shared the feelings of the others. But even more, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, explains this just a little bit further. So in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it reads, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if empathy is a part of love, to deny being empathetic is to deny a part of who God is. Let's say it again. Empathy is a part of Christ Jesus' personality. Therefore, it has to be a part of God's personality because Christ is God in the flesh. If you deny empathy, which is a part of God's personality, then you are essentially denying a part of God's personality when you refuse to be empathetic to people. And again, I'll say, in the Hebraic, empathy and sympathy do not have different meanings. They mean the same thing. It is, is another word is compassion. If you cannot share that compassion or empathy with people, you are denying a part of who God is. And as followers of Christ, we are supposed to follow the methods and the ways that God walked, or Jesus walked being God in the flesh. So you have to be careful about saying, I can't. Yes, you can, because you empathize with the temptation they went through. You don't empathize with the sin they did. 
That is what Jesus does. That's why he can stand at the gate and intercede on our behalf. He faced the temptation. He won. He never crossed the bridge into sin. So because he beat all of the temptation, he stayed perfect. Now that he stayed perfect, he can intercede on our behalf. So we, as believers, have to make sure we empathize with the temptation. What makes you, what makes you look at me as if I'm lesser than you? I empathize with the temptation you face that somebody taught you and you crossed that bridge and accepted. I empathize with that. I really do. I, if I'm being honest, I, I'm trying to always be honest, but from a context perspective, when I look at the world and where we are right now as a people, we are too comfortable not having empathy towards each other because you have to pick a side. And last night, that's what my sister was really trying to get me to do. Like, yo, you got to pick a side. And man, she was full blown. She knows the word. She, I mean, she quoted. She get that thing to you frontward and backwards and teach you the, all the context of everything. But in that same mindset, no judgment related, I was like, how can we have two completely different viewpoints? But we have different viewpoints because we receive different information. So that same brother who I said I care so much for, he has a different concept on Jesus. He's not a believer. He used to believe. Now he's not. But I empathize with him. I empathize with the fact that you've come across some things that have brought you to this place. I empathize with that. I feel for you. I can understand you went to a couple of churches, you got hurt. You saw some things in your life, you got hurt. And now you're not a believer, but I empathize with you because you're not a believer based on what you went through. You crossed that bridge of temptation, that pride. That's what I believe brought you there. But, and, you know, he looks at me and he's like, oh, man, Jesus is a construct of da 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 Yeah, empathize with me because <laughs> I'm not changing. So that's just, that's the relationship that we have. And I still love him. That's my brother. But I'm just like, ugh. So as we're getting towards a closing, there's one more spiritual aspect of this that uh, God laid on my heart. And... I found this one to be real concerning because as we talked about, right now the culture, the environment, so many things are bonkers. I don't know how many of you can attest to this, but I can walk through Walmart and almost tell the people who got a problem with me up front. It, I mean, seriously, I, I, I walked through yeah, yesterday. I walked into a bathroom and this brother was pulling something metal out of a bag. And I literally had the mindset like, should I hit him with my fist or should I grab something? Because if he grabs, the, if he pulls a gun out that bag, we going, because I'm too close. I'm a witness. Like, so I might as well just go towards you instead of trying to run out this door. He was cutting his hair. But <laughs> he, he pulled his clippers out. He was looking at me, I was, he was looking at me and I was like, man, I would have had a hard time empathizing with you. <laughs> like, but it was interesting because I can tell that my radar is wide open because of the culture. When people pass me, I can tell. The spirit just lets me know, oh, you got a problem. Why you got a problem? That's what I empathize with. Why do you have the problem? You got the problem because whatever information you heard, they told you I was trying to make you feel guilty. Or I want you to give, cut me a check. Or I want you to give me this. Yo, man. 
You didn't help me through one day of school. <laughs> God has blessed me with a great job. I'm straight. I don't even know your name. <laughs> I might give you a dollar if you leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? But it's one of those things where you can feel it in the spirit, and that, that brought me back. God brought Sodom and Gomorrah to my mind. Yeah, I know. I know, sis. <laughs> God brought Sodom and Gomorrah to my mind, and I was like, God, like, do we need to go study it down this lane? But it's okay, because if you look in the book of Isaiah, and I'm going to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. The book of Isaiah, chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Amen. I'll give you a second to get there if you want to read it. You don't have to, because I will read it into your hearing. And it reads, the book of Isaiah, chapters 8 through 9, I mean, verses, oh, I'm sorry, I went to the wrong one in my, my own Bible. All right, the book of Isaiah, chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, and it reads, and for context, this is Israel prophesying about the judgment on Jerusalem and Judah. He said, Jerusalem staggers. Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. Excuse me. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. We talked about this earlier. Empathy is a part of Christ's personality, which makes it a part of God's personality. Because empathy is a part of God's personality, we should actuate empathy in our own lives to follow walking, the walking of Christ. We said that to deny empathy is the same as denying a part of who God is. The warning came, their words and deeds are against the Lord defying his glorious presence. When you deny empathy and you can't feel for your brothers and sisters and feel with them, you are then defying and denying the Lord's presence. Because what did 1 John tell us? You don't know the Lord if that love is not in you. And empathy is a form of love. So essentially, you put yourself in a situation where you could be, not you, we, all of us, could be operating without God's presence near us. And what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah when they continued to deny God's presence? They got more violent, right? They started having more sexual situations. They became evil in heart. And that spirit, their hearts were hardened. And God said, no problem. That's how you feeling? I got you. Okay? So I would, I'm not trying to speak prophetically, right? This is just contextually. This is conceptually. If we continue to deny God's presence and the factors that make up his personality, how would we not bring our own selves to ruin? We got to be careful, and we don't have to look at it just from a big picture as a nation. Bring it to your house. If you can't empathize in your own house, if you can't feel with your wife, and your wife can't feel with her husband, get ready. Because it's not a, a matter of if, it's a win. 
That fall will come because you put it upon yourself. Amen? You're bringing the... What, what does the text say? I lost it. There it is. They have brought disaster upon themselves. It works the same way when we walk in public and we share the feelings of others. It's the same thing when you walk out even further on the higher grounds. If these countries don't start empathizing with each other and start showing that love and you don't stop denying God's presence in your life, get ready. Because we as a nation right now, if you look at the number of fractures in the nation, it's astonishing. Christianity has fractures. Politics has fractures. I'm a Democrat. They got fractures. I'm a Republican. They got fractures. We the military. They got fractures. I'm black. You got fractures. I'm white. You got fractures. I'm Spanish. You got fractures. And we continue to deny that love amongst each other. We continue to deny that empathy. We don't share with each other's feelings. Why do you feel that way? I don't care why you feel that way. And I'll, I'll, start, I'll go ahead and close with this. I think about my neighbor. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, but it's whatever. So I think about, you know, somebody I know and... Um, <laughs> I think about somebody I know. And I can talk to this dude all the time, right? I could. I can talk to him anytime. If we're grilling one day, we could sit in the backyard and talk for hours. But the second you bring up one of those fractures that he doesn't agree with or believe in, the tone instantly changes to violence. Instantly. Man, they need to hang them all. I would have gone in there and shot them all down. And boom, boom, boom. I mean, I mean, you go from, this is a true story, this happened in the conversation. I would listen to rap, but it's just so vulgar. Hang Pelosi. Time out, bro. What did you just say? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. You mean rap is vulgar, but hanging somebody because they don't agree with you isn't? I can't, I'm, I'm struggling to empathize with that. Maybe I need to go back to the categories. Maybe I got to go back to the temptation of the flesh. You know what I'm saying? The, oh, the pride of life. That must be it. That must be the one. Because I'm like, dude, how did you switch from cool to violent in a matter of seconds? That's scary. My son was with me one day and saw him do it. My son was standing right next to me. And my son made a comment. He said, hey, man, uh, he asked him to come watch the dogs. And he said, he said, yes, sir, I watch the dogs. He was like, when I get off the bus from school, I put my mask on and I come over. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is an American house. You don't have to wear no mask in here. <laughs> my son, <laughs> my son <laughs> Wilborn turned and looked at me and was like, <laughs> what do I do? I was like, man, just don't antagonize him because I don't want to have to hit this dude, man. Like, so, because <laughs> he come at my baby, I'm going to pray for you after, you know? So I was like, but that's how it was. And when he saw it, I, I love it because it was impactful on Will's life. He understood that, wow, there's a heart problem out here. We got a love problem out here. And, you know, I give huge props to, to uh, Brother T's Brother Tyrone's grandson, Jaden, and Wilborn, because they shared some of those problems they felt they saw upstairs. And I will tell you, it was impactful on me to see teenagers feeling it. So when I'm walking through work, I'm not crazy <laughs> because, yeah, it's around us. So I'll end with this. 
We gotta empathize with each other, brothers and sisters. We gotta love one another. The big catch-all is love. Love stands above everything else. If you love the right way, it's simplistically complicated. There is love, but there are a whole bunch of factors that fit inside of love. That empathy is one of those factors. You put that inside of love, and we're on the right track. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. I have three appeals. First, both online and here in the church, I'd like to, to offer up salvation. If you are interested in salvation, we have deacons that, will, that are here that will be able to help. All you have to do is show a hand. Amen. My next appeal is for new members. If you are visiting with us at Striving In, this is a place that God has called you to be to come and learn about the word of God. That is offered to you. I know pastor would love to have you, and we as brothers and sisters in Christ would love to have you as well. So if there, anyone who seek to be a new member, please raise your hand. Amen. Lastly, we have prayer. And this is, we will pray, but we also have uh, a call line as well. So online, if you would like prayer, please call 850-862-3899 and hit extension zero. And somebody will answer the phone to pray with you. I'll say the, the number again, 850-862-3899 and hit extension zero. And a member of the staff or a minister will, or someone of the staff will pick up the phone and pray with you at this time. Amen? And if you are in the building, I ask that you just pray at your seats. Go before God. Ask him to search all of our hearts. To, to, be, to ask all of us to be empathetic. To share in the feelings with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't have to lose a loved one to understand that the feeling must be terrible. I don't have to go through that. I don't have to be addicted to something to know that that must be a struggle to get away from. Amen? So as we show that love towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, we, I just ask that we all pray, uh, ask God to, to monitor our hearts and to show us where we all can do better. Amen? Let's go before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again, to come and learn about your word. We ask, Father God, that you will open all of our hearts to be empathetic, just as our Savior was, knowing that the situation on the back end did not warrant crying, but joy. But he still saw it fit to weep because he felt the feelings and shared the feelings of those who he loved. We ask and pray, Father, that we will have hearts similar to our Savior's, that we will operate and it will touch our spirits to be empathetic towards our brothers and sisters in Christ those who believe and those who don't believe, Father God, those who may be violent, who may not be violent. We ask and pray, Father, no matter what the situation, that we judge not the sin, Father God, but we empathize with the category that that sin falls into, understanding that we all have faced these temptations, and we all, as people, except Jesus, have been weak and failed at it. We pray that you will be given all of the glory in this lesson, we pray that you are given all of the glory in our lives, and we pray that your will is done upon us all. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in name we pray.